0: Welcome to the Paul Pocky Podcast with Ray Ferraro. People, listen, before we get to that, with such limited time in which to enjoy your watercraft, don't waste any of it worrying about how to protect it. Use Wyatt Dowling to ensure you are properly covered. It's winter now, but uh, please, uh, winterization and freezing coverage is available. All all risk, agreed value protection, claims paid without depreciation, and uh, it's a fantastic claim service for any of your watercraft, uh, be it in the water or out of the water, as it is now insurance November. Allpointinsurance.ca, three-year new model replacement, water ski weight board liability included, and all of that. So thanks to those guys for coming on, and uh, please check them out if you need some insurance for your watercraft. On to the show.
1: A MX Network production.
2: Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at PulpHockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite
1: podcast app.
0: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast with the great Ray Ferraro. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Thank you for hanging with us a little bit later in the week we're doing this, but uh, for reasons we'll probably get to, uh, we'll explain why. But thanks again, everybody. Get it on uh, iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. Get it on any kind of podcast app. Leave us a review. Download it. Listen. We'll be here each and every week. Talking NHL, talking hockey in general, and uh, yeah, man, it's been going good, uh, especially when this guy uh, tells us some stuff, and uh, that's what uh, that's what I'm here for. By the way, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line from TSN, TSN color analyst, does some work for NBC Sports as well on the hockey side, played in the NHL a little bit here and there. Ray Ferraro, what's up, Ray? How are you?
2: Uh, I'm doing good. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. Got the Leafs game tomorrow, so happy Thanksgiving! Thanksgiving to all the U.S. folks that are listening, There's, uh, I'm sure everybody's half asleep now. They've eaten their <laughs>
0: turkey, and they've, they've got the fade going right now, which we all get on Thanksgiving Day, don't we? Yeah, you landed, I don't know what time you landed there, but good luck trying to find something open, right? Yeah, it was a bit of a scramble. We got, uh, we got to
2: uh, McCormick and Schmidt's which was good. Oh, it's op- that was open? Wow. Yeah, I, I will say this, though. The, our waitress was super nice but a little bit too earnest with the descriptions of what the specials <laughs> and things were. Okay. Like, move it along, yeah. um, got it, perfect, don't need to know what kind of hook they caught the fish with, just, you know, like <laughs> the And yeah. so our producer, because he's a bit of a jackass, Sam, um, kept asking more questions <laughs> just because he knew it was,
0: great. it was bothering me. That's great. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm surprised it's open a place like that, like a nice place like that open on Thanksgiving, but yeah, well, it's that's right
2: in the ma- it was in the mall, so uh-huh. there was, was quite a quite a crew of people hanging out around uh, Best Buy. I assume they were in their <laughs> right. iPads and whatever whatever yeah. the newest thing is
0: that you need to get today not tomorrow. So Yeah. I uh my wife's vegetarian, so we don't do the Thanksgiving dinner uh she makes a bunch of side dishes that she enjoys. I make turkey sandwiches and we call it a day. So but, yeah, you got to make turkey though, right? To make the turkey sandwich. No, just just the store bought like like cracked no, pepper turkey. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah, go yeah. A fall turkey. Don't be so lazy. No, I don't know how to cook it and she said she's like, "Do you want I'm, What do you I'm mean I'm you fine. don't know how to cook it? You just you take the turkey. Uh-huh. Yes. You, you buy one of those silver
2: pans. Yep. You put the turkey in it, you season it and throw it in the
0: oven. Uh, there you go. That's it. Uh-huh. I could probably do that. Um, I think you probably could. Yeah. At least the third time. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I'll figure it out. Hopefully, I don't fall asleep in this. I just got back from uh, Paris and uh, Venice and Italy uh, last night, so I haven't. Pardon me. I, I've been trying to follow the games. I watched a little bit of them over there. Um, I did. I. I had a horrible nightmare. The Leafs lost to Arizona, um, which apparently really did happen. Um, and then I just been reading while I've been gone. So you have to forgive me if I'm not 100 percent up on it. It's it's tough to stay awake watch the games, and get up in the morning when you're over there. Not fun.
2: Yeah, well, because when you get up, you've got to work. Yeah. Right? So you're like, okay, I'm dead asleep here. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So, I, yeah, I hear you. I've been over there and try to, you know, we're at the Worlds in mm-hmm. May, World Championships you're trying to follow, but the game started at 2 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I don't know, I can't quite make this. Not, this isn't going to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So, all right, let's, uh, let's go around the league, talk a little bit about, we kicked around some topics via email and And all that. Um, And there's been some great, tremendous quotes from coaches this week that I uh, maybe we'll start with that. That I want to bring up a couple things. uh, uh, First up, I guess, let's go something that you tweeted about and uh, people were uh, talking about with uh, John Tortorella. Uh, It's fantastic. It's in regards to uh, his forward lines and where he plays certain guys. Uh, Aaron Portsline from Athletic, he's got the full quote. It's a bunch of bullshit. towards says, "I get a kick out of us as coaches. We talk about this, that, and the other thing. This is what I'm looking for. It's a bunch of bullshit. We try things, and if it works, it works." Great quote. Well, it is because
2: so much. You know, they everything's planned, and they think about how they want the team to be set up and what line will work. And a lot of times, the lines that work the best get thrown together by somebody getting hurt, and so they had to make a on-the-fly adjustment. The best lines I played with were not plan A. They Mm -hmm. just kind of happened. And so we're somewhere in the media, I'm not sure where, in the last, I don't know, five years or so, maybe it's a little longer, we've heard so much about, oh, that's the first line, that's the third line, that's the Mm – there is no first, second, third, or fourth line. There are a lot of guys that play more than others, and I guess you could say that's the first line and this other line's the third line because they play less. But coaches generally look at their lines, and if they have to make an adjustment, the adjustment is who's playing best mm-hmm. and who sucks tonight. So the guy that sucks tonight, I'm going to take him out of the rotation. Like there is no grand plan. that It's, it's not like a football playbook. Right. So much of hockey is kind of by the seat of your pants. And I think that's what Torts is talking about. But it's a great quote because if it works, great. They keep it together. If it doesn't, then they change
0: it. Yeah, I remember reading something last year. I think it was Gullitson in Calgary put together his three highest uh, possession players on a line. And they were, I don't remember who they were. I can't, it strikes, I forget now, this was last year. Put them together and uh, it didn't work at all you know and one would think oh this is going to be the greatest line ever right you're going to load up this these three guys and they're going to play together and uh, i don't remember who it was but it didn't work and they're like well there you go they, you know you just can't play it on paper it's no right because there's
2: you know you have to take the the human element to it and sometimes guys read off each other really well mm-hmm. sometimes it just doesn't work like there are times you'll put a couple of skill guys together really highly skilled guys, and it should work. And then it doesn't. Yeah. Maybe it's because both guys want to carry the puck enough. Right. uh, I I don't even really know. It's different all the time, I guess, is my point, is that there is no one template for, okay, this is going to be a line that works. It should be a strong guy, Mm -hmm. you know, a guy that can do some corner work, a playmaker, and a shooter. That would be great. Even when you put the, those three elements together, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it's just brutal. And other times, it just works. Like Andrew Brunette and myself and Donald Audette played together mm-hmm. in Atlanta. And none of us were fast. None of us were physical. None of us were super strong. Bruno was really good controlling the puck down low. But that line had, uh, as as a threesome, I think we were third in the NHL that year in points. It's mm-hmm. line,
0: mm-hmm. it just worked. Yeah. How about when you see coaches, and, and we'll get to we'll get some other quotes here. Mike Babcock has been switching up his lines lately. And from what I understand, tomorrow night, if you're listening to this on, or tonight, I guess you're probably listening to this Friday. Uh, Matt Martin's going to be a healthy scratch for the Leafs. It sounds like, right? Yeah. I don't know if you heard that or, or you. Is that yeah. is that yeah. confirmed? It looks, yeah. Or, yeah, not confirmed. Okay, ninety nine. percent But the thing is, I don't. See, I don't know why
2: this is really a super big story. Look at Carolina's lineup. There is nobody Mm -hmm. that is in the same ballpark as Matt Martin. So why would you have him in the lineup for this particular night? You've got Josh Lebo is going to play and Nikita Sashnikov, and they're going to use Marlowe in the middle again. So they like on the road to have Patrick Marlowe at center. That allows them to move their lines around a little bit. Dominic Moore doesn't look like he's going to play again, and so it's a it's a response to what
0: Carolina's lineup is going to look like tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised at all. And when it comes to those lines, it looks like judging off Florida, the loss, the shootout loss to Florida, and the game in Phoenix that I or Arizona, I keep saying Phoenix, Arizona that I that I read about. It looks like Babcock's keeping his he's mixing up his lines, which goes to this Tortorella quote. And it looks like, but he's, he's keeping the center, Matthews, Kadri, Bozak, um, whoever's in the, whoever's on the fourth in those two games, was he's keeping those guys consistent ice time and mix and matching the wingers, right? So what I'm, what right. I'm getting at for you, Ray, when you played behind Ronnie Francis, behind Pierre Turgeon uh, in Atlanta, a- as a center, did your time stay consistent all the time? And you found yourself playing with different wingers outside, of course, the ones that worked.
2: Well, I, I would say the, the mix and match is is not common. It mm-hmm. doesn't happen a lot. Um, coaches will keep two players on a line together and switch out a third guy depending on whether it's power plays or penalty kill or somebody needs an extra shift. Um, I didn't love when my wingers changed all the time, Okay, uh, but that's totally out of your right, control. Right, if you right. go out there and there's another guy jumps over the boards with you because the coach has made it. Adjustment, well, that's the way it is. And so uh, Babcock this year, though, he's got more, more options with the addition of Marlowe and the way Connor Brown has played. He can move 10 forwards around. And so Marlowe sometimes plays the wing, sometimes he plays at center. If he's at center, Dominic Moore's out. If he's on the wing, Moore's probably back in. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a problem for the coach only to the sense that you got to make sure that you're not changing so much that the guys don't feel comfortable. But I don't think
0: Bathcock's yeah. even close to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like whatever, right? Like we're trying things and it's, no, it's, but it's, I, it. but it's like he hasn't moved them around so much
2: yeah. that guys' ice times are all over the place. I think everybody's probably still very clear on what is expected of them. And sure. for the centermen, it seems like their minutes are
0: staying pretty stable. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have games where you played more, uh, you know, outside of massive penalty killing or massive power play differences, just straight-up games where you were going better than Francis or Thirajan and you you got more ice and that was it? No. No,
2: not with those guys. No, okay. Um, I mean, Ronnie and Pierre always, uh, you know, the two true number ones that I played behind, those guys always had uh, the lion's share of the ice. And they should because even on a night where they didn't have it, Mm -hmm they might get one play that they could do something that other people can't. Yeah. And, and so I, I totally, totally would understand that. What would piss me off is if all of a sudden I was getting, you know, if I normally played 17 or 18 minutes, if I got 12, yeah. Um, there's probably a reason I had 12
1: because <laughs> right. I
2: wasn't playing very good right. that night. But, But on that night, you don't see it that way. You're like, well, no wonder I'm playing bad. I'm only playing 12 minutes. Right. When really the reality is if i were playing better that i probably would have played more
0: yeah guys it's going to be frustrating as a player to sit there on the bench and have the coach miss like not call your number he's switching things up to, you're down by a few he's switching things up he's trying and you're just waiting for your number and it's not well, coming well you want to turn around and go hey
2: don't forget me
0: right you know so
2: that work yeah uh
0: next up for quote of the uh week Ken Hitchcock uh Dallas Stars on why he doesn't bother with today's uh upper and lower body description for injuries it's a long quote but I'll just touch on it a little bit um i think we collectively hate playing that game what i mean by that is we say upper body then you go to the phone and then when you look up things and you go to the doctors you find out what part of the upper body we try to make your work easier, the media, quite frankly. And so we just don't like going through the dance. It's easy to tell you what it is, and let's move forward. It's just the whole game. It's an injury, and within two hours after we tell you, it's upper body. You know exactly what it is. So why not just tell you? And he goes on a little bit longer, but why not just tell you? I love it. It's great. Yeah, I,
2: I don't I don't know why, um, other than to think that that injury could be targeted on the ice. That's yeah. the only real reason. Um the game is different. I don't, I mean, in essence, though, the only ones that really are super curious are, well, the media, because we're nosy and we want to know what's going on, and the fans, I guess, because they'd like to know exactly why their player's out of the lineup. Um, they could very easily, if they don't want to get right into direct specifics they could be a lot more finite about what the injury is. Upper body is a big place. Yeah. You could say it's the hand, the wrist, an arm, you know, that that would even be better than than this upper and lower body is absolute nonsense.
0: <laughs> it is, right? And, and as he said Ken says uh anyways, you know, the media finds out. You know, a lot of, a lot well, of Well, they do yeah.
2: because it's so easy to find out because you um you you talk to an agent, you talk to a teammate, somebody will always say, oh, yeah, and player
0: X's knee's a little sore, and you're like, oh, well, there you go. Right. Yeah. It's not that hard, really. Right, right. Good for Ken Hitchcock, Ken Hitchcock, though. Good job, right?
2: See, I think as you get older, you're like, you know what?
0: This is, this is nonsense. <laughs> exactly. All right, third quote that I liked uh, this week from a coach, Jeff Blashell, uh, Detroit Red Wings. Um, comes out after a loss uh, to the Oilers. Anthony Mantha has got to be way better, way better. It's not okay to just be a passenger when you're given the opportunity to be an impact player. He's not alone, but certainly he is a guy who, I said to him at the beginning of the year, for us to be great, you've got to be great. He's gone through large stretches of being great, but he hasn't been great the last two games. It's rare to see a coach be that pointed towards a player.
2: Uh, Really is, and you can't do it very often. Yeah. Um, if if you do, um, you're probably going to lose the player, you know, yeah. and or not just the player, you're going to lose the, um, you're going to lose the respect of the room because the guys are going to start going. Wait a minute,
1: mm-hmm.
2: why has he got to do this? There's no, there's no real reason for, for that to happen. So I don't necessarily, um, I don't have a problem with it. Yep. I just think you got to be.
0: Pretty careful about how many times you use it. Sure. Yeah, I was gonna. I say you don't have a problem with it, or do you? Yeah, you're all right. Just no, just, uh, I'm fine with that. Right. I just, uh, I,
2: I would be, I would be super careful about the, um, about the
0: number of times you you yeah. directly call out a guy like that. He was pretty harsh earlier in the year too on his team. I forget what it was. We talked about it on one of our shows. He just well, see, not. See, any, I
2: think yeah. you, I think you got Steve. You got a case there where. He doesn't have a lot of time. Like he can't be waiting around to mm-hmm. see, um, you know, gee, or the guy's going to come around. He's got to make sure he's doing everything he can so his um, you know, he can stay coach of the Detroit right. Red Wings. Because had they gotten uh, had they gotten off to a five and twelve start, that might have been it for him.
0: Right, right. Jimmy Howard's playing pretty well. Every time I see a game or read about a game, it seems like Jimmy Howard's rebounded. So. Yeah, they, they kind of messed the bed last night or yeah. two nights ago against uh, Edmonton.
2: So uh, the the thing that they have is they they have to play almost the full capabilities to win. And if they have three or four guys that are off, or if most of their roster is even just 10% off, they're not going to win that night. And Edmonton took them apart pretty good the other night.
0: Kind of the L.A. Kings theory for you, you've talked about on this show? You know where everybody's got it. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, just wherever. Yeah. You have to play at 90 percent or better every single night. If you have. Yeah, a, you have
2: to, or else you just you don't have enough talent to carry right. the day. And and that's probably where Detroit is. Now they've gotten some. It's you know it's ironic and and in the full measure of the quote uh, Blashill mentions how Larkin Dylan Larkin and Andreas Athanasiu and uh, Anthony Mantha have been very good. Mm-hmm. But against Edmonton, they weren't, and so that was pointed out. I, I think you got to balance this out by, you know, by looking at what they've done so far in the first quarter of the year, which is they have played well. Mm-hmm. But it's not a, it, you know, it, there can't be big ebbs and flows, or if there is, Detroit's mm-hmm. in trouble.
0: Boy, Edmonton needed that game. If you're oh. Peter Chiarelli, you want that response in the Todd McClellan, right? Like that, that could have gone terrible. Nice response though
2: they you know and it's a
0: tough it's a tough game to play, although maybe it's
2: a little better, I guess, if you don't have to sit around and stew on the the third burger that they laid in uh, <laughs> St. louis in St Louis I mean they just got absolutely worked there, that was brutal, yeah, they looked like they quit, they didn't look like they were anywhere in the game, then they got to get on the plane and fly to Detroit, and then they got to play the next day, and I give them full marks, yep. for coming out. And even after, at the end of the first period, Cronwell scored a funny goal that kind of hit off Nugent Hopkins' stomach, and it went over Talbot's shoulder. It was a bad goal. They could have folded, mm-hmm. but they came out and dominated the second period. I, I thought that was a period they, they really showed something. Uh, they got three goals and then went on to,
0: to win six two. Yeah, yeah, man. If they had gotten blown out again, oh boy, like oh boy, right. So, well. We- now they got you know
2: they they continue on the road. They got a chance to maybe put a couple of games together, and then they go home. Um, they've got to start making up some ground.
0: Speaking of uh, goals of the week, we've touched on that a few times in our show. Uh, Josh Bailey's goal, overtime goal, with John Tavares setting it up. Um, wow, holy crap, Ray!
2: Um, you know there's like three or four things on that goal. Number one, (laughs) it is amazing that Tavares can stay on the puck. Mm -hmm. He's knocked down. He gets up. He gets the puck. He controls it. Goes to his left. He swings it back to his right. Like It's just amazing, the puck control. Number two, he's doing that against a really good defensive centerman in Sean Couturier. It's not like he's losing a guy that doesn't know how to check. This is is as good a defensive center as you're probably going to find. He's in the top half dozen anyway, mm-hmm. and, and he beats him. The third thing is I'm not really sure what Shane bear is doing <laughs> other than watching Tavares right. because he's standing there. There's only six guys on the ice. Three of them wear the same color jersey as you. So Tavares is in the corner. That means you only got to account for two other guys, right? Right. right. You know, it's, it's not like there's 27 guys you got to find. Sure. But he's staring at the puck, and sure enough, it goes behind him, and Bailey shoots it once, and then shoots it again. Yeah. Like it was a that was a pretty pretty poorly played ten seconds by Bear, but the whole play oh. really is is Tavares's. Just magnificent work in the corner.
0: I must have watched it 10 times. I'm like, look, he falls. Look, he's trapped. Look, he hooks it around the guy. Yep. Like, oh, smokes, man. Yeah, it was an amazing puck control. It reminded me a bit. Now, uh, he didn't He didn't take the shot that won, but it reminded me of Yager's goal against Chicago in the finals. Do you remember that? 92, yep. whatever.
2: Yeah. He beats Brent Sutter off the boards yep. and bakes him. Sutter ends up on his hands and knees and then goes in and beaks it. It reminded me more of a couple of years ago when Jason Spezza um, was still in Ottawa and he's trying to check Crosby and Crosby's going back and forth behind the net. Spezza actually plays it really well. And eventually Crosby gets the puck to the point and they score. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know what else yeah, Spezza could have done short of hog-tied him. Sure. Same thing with Peturier yesterday. I mean, like,
0: what else was he going to do? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um all right, going around the league some more. Uh, your hometown Vancouver Canucks, right, Brock Besser right now is on fire. They they, they won in Pittsburgh. They won in Philly. Uh, they're getting good goaltending, and Brock Besser is coming on, man. And what a shot this kid has. Oh, my God.
2: I would say Brock Besser is the most exciting Canuck goal scorer since Marcus Naslin. But there hasn't been this much excitement about a young player since Pavel Bure. And he doesn't play like Bure. Of course, you know, Bure yep. was a bolt of lightning. Yep. And uh, Besser's not that. He's not a great skater. He's not fast. He's strong. He's got an unbelievable patience to his game. Like when other guys are going faster, 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 he seems to just work his way to where he needs to get to. There's no panic. And he's got a... Top twenty shot in the NHL. Yeah, like there's there's not fifteen guys that shoot it better than him. I don't think he's got four goals in his last two games. Um, Twelve on the season. He is. Uh, he's been the most
0: exciting thing to come into Vancouver in a long, long time. Yeah. So people people are getting excited over there. They're, 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 they are. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. As they should be.
2: You know, it's it's um it's interesting that. You know, the the people in Vancouver have been a little bit apathetic about the Canucks for a few years. Mm-hmm. They're looking for a ring to grab onto, a brass ring. And last year it was Bo Horvat had a really good year. Now they've got Besser. They're on a line with Sven Berchie, three young guys. It's been their best line. They've got Elias Pedersen, who's in Sweden, who's having a terrific year. as an 18-year-old in the Swedish Hockey League. He, he's going to come next year. They've got a, a college kid, Adam Gadette who they're very high on. That's five young forwards. Like all of a sudden you're like, ooh, that's starting to look a little different. Yeah. They're getting excellent goaltending from uh Jacob Markstrom and Anders Nielsen. Yep. Um they've both been outstanding. And and I would say one of next to Vegas, maybe
0: as big a surprise as there is in the league this year. Yeah, Nielsen has a nine thirty four save percentage. Not only seven games played, but you know that's pretty good. And and Markstrom has been good every time I've kind of watched him and t- checked in on him. You know, so yeah,
2: Markstrom went Markstrom went a stretch there where early in games he'd give up a, just a stinky PUE goal, mm-hmm. and in most cases he was able to battle back and play really well. Lately, he's tightened that up too.
0: I I don't know that they could expect or hope for more than these two guys have given them. What's going on with Granlund? Breakout year last year. Looked great, you know? Uh, I would say Marcus Granlund is stuck between
2: what he might think he is, what the coaches think he is, and the role that he's been put in. And it all kind (laughs) of conflicts.
0: Doesn't sound good. It
2: doesn't sound good. No, it's it's like too many variables there. (laughs) Right, right. So he's played a little bit of wing, a little bit of center. He played a little bit with the Sedins. He played a little bit with Derek Dorsett and and Brandon Sutter. Um, Are you supposed to check? Are you supposed to score? Are you supposed to do both? And to me, he looks like a player that's just unsure. Yeah. Last year, he had a great run with Daniel and Henrik. Hasn't played there this year. Um, Travis Green has other ideas for what he wants Granlund to Mm -hmm. do, but... He's not been able to settle into a position, and um, that's not a that's not a great place to be.
0: And the Sedins are just dominating possession wise uh, every against every other third line in the league. I was reading the other day on the Athletic, so <laughs> clearly, you know, that's a nice. They may, like you said on this show, they're probably not happy. You're not going to hear about it because they're you know they're they're classy guys that way. But uh, they've been dominating other third lines, you know. So well, a,
2: they they have been, and it's you know Travis uh, Green will he'll use them some nights he'd only play 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. Some nights he play 17 or 18, and it's, it's got to be hard for them to stomach. It's got to be hard for them to stay in the game. When you're used to playing, you know, 18 to 20 minutes, and now you're playing 12, when you think of it, it's only four minutes a period. It's probably six shifts a period. Yeah. You know, you're sitting around there staring
0: at the kiss cam a lot when you're on the bench <laughs> that much. Yeah, true. On the uh, flip side of playing well, Ray, the Buffalo Sabres. And you got to feel for Phil Housley. Gets his first coaching job. They've lost seven in a row right now. Jack Eichel's not playing that well. Um, the goaltending hasn't been that well from what I've seen. It's not been good for Buffalo.
2: It's been brutal. Um, I watched uh, – I don't know why, but I watched some of uh, – <laughs> Some Of their game, I don't know I why. I mean, it was dreadful <laughs> right. this week, and I thought, I can't believe for a guy that skates as well as Eichel that he stands still as much as he does. Mm. Their, as a team, their work quotient, their sweat equity that they put in is just not there. The only guy that's been really good for them is Evander Kane, yeah, and so. You, you've just committed to paying Eichel 80 million dollars. Holy smokes! You shouldn't have to try and tap into what his motivation is. Yeah, but he's not been good, and they're missing on the blue line. Um, they're missing Zach Bogosian, and uh, um, he's a he's a big loss for them. An even bigger loss has been Rasmus Ristolainen, and so they're missing, you know, two of their top four defensemen, and they just don't have the depth to sustain that the other places in goal it's been a train wreck. Yeah. Uh, Robin Robin Leonard's proven one thing and that's that he's not a number 1 goalie. Um, you know Chad Johnson is a is a number 2 guy. Mm-hmm. So between the two of them they don't have good enough goaltending to win.
0: Phil Housley, Rick Tockett, first year coaches not going well. You got to feel like I mean who knows if they're going to turn out to be good coaches or not, you know, it's I mean we've got a little bit of a track record for Tockett over the years but uh, man, I, I feel a little bit sorry for these guys. Like, I, I mean, you know, you, they got it right from the start. They've not been able to really kind of relax and, and let things go and learn, learn a little bit about their teams. You know I mean? I mean, some of no, it's on them, but. They've
2: been behind the eight ball almost immediately. Right. And the, the thing that sucks is, you know, you've, there's only 31 jobs. And so you get offered, you take one, you know, you, you don't, you don't often take over a team that's doing great, right? Yeah, so, you, right yeah. you, you, so it's a construction project when you get there. Yeah. But you'd like to get off the gun, right? Or out of eight, just to, okay. And they're both so far behind. Yeah. At least pockets teams won three out of four. They mm-hmm. won, you know, they did well on the road and um, in Eastern Canada when they yeah. you know, they, they were in Ottawa, and Toronto, and Montreal, and then they go back home and lose. But um, there's not been much that shows steady improvement for either
0: of them. Yeah. Like just, they haven't even got to 500 probably once all year, either guy, you know, and it's just been one of those things, but um, yeah, it's been, it's been rough. So you mentioned, you didn't know why you turned on Buffalo game the other day. So that brings me, yeah, I don't know. brings me to my next question. So, we you know we're 20, 20 games into the league so far so everyone lots of things are sorted uh lots of teams are kind of they are what they are especially in the in this cap era of not you know swapping out six players in a trade or anything so what like two to four teams do you want to watch on TV when you Ray Ferraro was sitting in your palatial mansion in Vancouver uh and you're flipping through the channels like which teams do you watch what do you like
2: well you mean so when when i climb over the moat to
0: get yes. into my into your my castle house. your 18 years of nhl salaries think about that everybody and yeah, think divorce, about, cut in <laughs> half think about tsn money and uh yeah uh played in the played in the 90s a little bit different than things are these days right, yeah so true
2: so let's tone down what we think is exactly <laughs> happening here. Uh, um okay so teams that i'm interested in yeah. watching yeah who do you stop at Yep. Tampa Bay, Toronto. Mm-hmm. I like offense. You know yeah, that. Yep. So I'm gonna be entertained by teams that score. So Tampa, Toronto, I I really enjoy watching them play. Saint Louis and Winnipeg are yep. are two other St. Louis has been as good as anybody in the league. They just they've pounded teams this year. They got eight wins at home, eight wins on the road. You know, they yep. they've got a plus twenty goal differential. I like the Jets because they were exciting. I like Nashville because I I like their uniform. I like the whole thing that they've they've cultivated there. Um, those would be the teams I watch the most, the
0: teams I'm, yep. I'm going to stop and yep. go, yeah, I want to watch that. So I was thinking maybe Friendship could play it into, into your selection a little bit. But no, not at all. <laughs> um, no, because yeah. if you're going to watch I'm not watching friends
2: play. No, I mean I'm but interested just, in their
0: teams. You know, you talk to guys every week or three or four times a week. I'm sure there's buddies you talk to who are in the game and that's all. You know, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, but I check their I check their teams out for right, sure. Right, right. But but it's not gonna be like, uh oh, oh, I gotta stop and sure.
0: watch them. Yeah.
2: You know, like there's and there's some teams like you know, I'm I'm not I watch Buffalo as I told you. Yeah. I, again, I I can't even really Tell you why I don't watch Arizona very much. Uh-huh. Although when they were in Toronto, I was like, "Man, I got to watch Clayton Keller more." Yeah, because that kid is entertaining. He is—he is a really, really, really good young player. Um, you know, Anaheim without a lot of their big boys—I mean, they're a—they're a, they're a thon mm-hmm. I, you know, how they're even over five hundred. I don't even. I don't, you know, that's a real credit to them because their lineup has just been, been shredded. Yeah, it's. Uh, but I don't. You know, but I don't
0: say, oh, I gotta watch Anaheim, right? You well know, that doesn't. They don't grab me that much for sure. Uh, Edmonton grabs me, and they still do, although it's been ugly. Uh, Winnipeg, because I'm from there, and, and you know, I, they got a good team, anyways. Exciting team, anyways. But I, I do want to see the Jets. You know, obviously in the Leafs, of course. I don't know about Florida Panthers. I don't know if I've... they played the Leafs, obviously, but I was flying, so I didn't get the chance to watch it. I don't know if I've watched 30 seconds of a Florida Panthers game this year.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't know if I've watched a lot either. I See, they've got some players I really like. Yep. like I I like Barkoff a lot. I like Uberdo a lot. Um, I'm a Roberto Luongo fan. I, I think sure, he's still yeah. so good. Right. But I, uh, you know who else I really enjoy on that team? Because I think he's... He's really highly skilled and he's a little rat. and i I say that with utmost respect is Vincent Trocheck?
1: Oh okay. I like him yeah, yeah.
2: a lot he is uh he's got a lot of backbone I, I I really like the way that kid plays.:
0: Oh, interesting, okay, yeah, um, check that out. Hey, do you think is Joel Quenville in any sort of trouble? And I only say that because there's always been tension there with him and sort of the upper management. Um, Chicago's. There? Always has been. Yeah.
2: Um, I I don't know um, that he would be in immediate danger. hmm. But, you know, maybe they would think that, oh, if we change coaches, there'll be a, a different way of going about things. Yeah. The biggest problem. You can have anybody you want behind the bench. Their roster is so different and so depleted mm-hmm. to the championship teams. I, I don't know what a different coach is going to get out of them that
0: Joel hasn't. Right. Yeah, I don't say that like he's a bad coach. Or like I'm just like, you know, they've always come out and just sit, talked about how this losing is unacceptable to them You've, despite all the cups, and they're making all these deals. Apparently the Jomerson and Connor Murphy trade was not, you know, was not kind of run by, it was more higher up um, than Joel. Joel didn't get much saying right. it, and he was right. pissed. So things like that, I just see all these things and hear all these things from John McDonough, McDonough, I believe, who is the president, and I'm like, it He's doesn't the se- president, Stan Bowman's right. the GM, yeah. Doesn't seem like Joel is long for this gig, and he'll just be like, I'm out of here, type deal. So Well,
2: and I don't know that necessarily, right. but if it does happen, he'll be unemployed for about four and a half minutes.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Um all right, anything else we missed on the run up through the NHL for you? Ray, I got a few more things to talk about obviously, but and we're we'll gonna take some questions from so, from uh listeners, but uh anything else catch your eye that that I we didn't touch on? Well, I I would say two guys that have really had outstanding runs are Nino Niederreiter in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He's um
2: he's got five goals in his last five games. And uh Johnny Goodrow just finished off a um he didn't score last game, so he had a ten game point streak. He had nineteen points. Yeah. In ten games, I mean, like that's that's just an astounding run, um, you know that that those guys have had. They have, um, they're they guys that are fun to watch. Uh, Nita Writer is a it's a really good player, and since he came back, like he had a a high ankle sprain, and uh, he's been outstanding since he's been back.
0: Now goudreau has got thirty one points, right? He's doing pretty well. Yeah. He was the poster child. Not maybe not the poster child, but a lot of people talked about you know when he broke his his hand or finger with that slash last year, and they took that you know they're calling that tighter, and there's not as much going on with that as there was last year. Is that just all? Is that a coincidence, or, or has is it got got to be part of why Johnny's been so good? You think?
2: No, I, I think there is a difference. The yeah. the way they're calling the flashing rule um, allows chances that look like they're going to be a chance to continue to be a chance. That you know somebody doesn't get a step, and then the defender slashes them on the hands or mm-hmm. on the gloves, and the puck sails away. Now they get to drive it to the net. So I, I think it's a, it's a really good rule that allows more offense to happen without making any real significant change to the game. So basically, they're doing something that's really novel, Steve. They're calling <laughs> the penalty the way it's in the rule book
0: imagine that go figure that right um yeah uh, it's it, it seems to be he's in, you know having a good season and, and that to me that maybe that's just yeah like you said that's probably part of the reason why you know um y'all yeah, think, he,
2: yeah i'll tell you all those guys all those little guys they owe uh, a <laughs> debt of gratitude to patrick kane yeah because remember when kane came in There was a lot of question about whether he could still be so good Mm -hmm. as he was in junior because he was so small, and the answer was yes. And then more and more young guys have started to to get that opportunity, whether it's Goodrow in Calgary or Clayton Keller uh, in in Arizona. Like those guys are, they're very similar. Uh, You know, Matt Barzell's in New York. He's he's another little guy. Tyler Johnson's in Los or in uh, in Tampa Bay. There's a you know another little guy. So those guys, um, even Cam Atkinson in Columbus, yeah, they never even got a look before. Those guys can thank Patrick Kane to getting off to a good start in his career.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely good point, right? I mean, I remember when he got drafted, people were wondering if he was too small for the game and would he would he would he stick with the Hawks the first year? How many years would he need in the minors? Right? I, these were legit questions about Patrick Kane. That seems silly now, of course, but. Well, Cammy, yeah. my wife
2: Cammy and I went to uh, Blackhawks development camp. We were in Chicago. Her family is from there, and we went to the uh, camp. And it was the year Kane was drafted. Uh, Taves was drafted the year before, and they were both at the development camp. And I said, "Look at Taves. He's like a man among boys mm-hmm. out there. You know, he's ready to play." And Cammy said, "I Kane's ready." And I'm like, "No, he's not." She's like, "I'm telling you, he's ready." <laughs> And she goes, and he's going to be really good. Of course, he went to Rookie of the Year, and i gotta, I got to eat that for the rest yeah. of my life.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Brings it up whenever. whenever. No, she, she brings that up every <laughs> once in a while, or a lot. Uh, something in the news for that, that you would have a good handle on, Ray. Uh, NHL Senior Vice President Colin Campbell uh, talked to the Toronto Star, and he confirmed that the league is trying to clean up the language on the ice across the board. And uh, what do you think? I mean, what do you think about – I mean, I don't know how they're trying to. There's just microphones everywhere nowadays, of course, right? And, right. And everything else. But do you feel like it's it's down or it's, it's less than what it was when you played? Oh, it is for sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say that the mics
2: everywhere are, are a great deterrent. Yeah. Because nobody – you know, I wouldn't have wanted to be caught saying some of the things that I said. Mm-hmm. And some of them I'm not very proud of and wasn't very proud of them seven seconds after I said them. But you're caught up in something, you know, caught up in the game. You're emotional and you just blurt something out. Well, now times have changed. You don't say the types of things that we said 25 years ago. I'm telling you, Steve, anything was in play (laughs) except
0: the players' kids. Yeah. And it's it, crazy to think about those things, right? Like like so some of the stuff was just yeah. just
2: so bad. Right. And uh every once in a while somebody would say something that would just crack you up. But some of the stuff was pretty it wasn't just, you know, telling some guy to F off. It was Yeah. You know, or I'm going to kill you. It was yeah. It you was... do a little research, you find out a little bit of stuff about the guy, and then you <laughs> you, you get into his kitchen and try and yeah. rattle the
0: pot. Oh uh, I bet you some of the wives like got it. You know, pretty good. Yeah, they yeah. they took it pretty hard. Oh boy, I can imagine. Um, hey, one of yeah, the things that one of the things has been bugging me lately, and this goes a while back, and I've kind of I've had it to ask you about on like every show, but we've never got to it. But since we have no guest. Tonight, uh, I'm going to get to it. Like, what happened to goalies playing back-to-back games? Like, are we just – am I missing something? Are we just so much smarter now? We know that these goalies are incapable of doing it. I mean, hydration is better than ever. The the plane is better than ever if you're flying. There's so many things that are better than it was back in the day, and these guys cannot apparently go back-to-back. Just nobody can. It's impossible.
2: Well – I, I would say the, the answer is that it, teams have looked at their schedule now, and I think they look at it, everything in much more detail than, you know, 15, 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And so they say, okay, we got 16 back-to-back games. So our backup goalie, we want him to play 25 times. So we'll give him their 16 locked in, the back-to-backs. Because that's, you know, then your starter is going to get a couple of days off between games, because you're planning on playing them 55 games anyway. And so I think it becomes more of a scheduling thing than anything else. The season seems more compact uh, than, it, than it used to be, and maybe that's another reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there's goalies play, you know, you're not finding many goalies that play 60, 65 games anymore. I think the pace of the game, we, we forget. As the game's flying all over the place, the goalies have to keep up too.
0: Hmm. Okay.
2: Maybe maybe they just get gas. Uh, I don't know. And they're like yeah, enough. And you, the last thing anybody wants is their starter to get hurt because there's yeah. you, know, you just don't have the depth
0: to sustain that. To me, there's such a drop off between because of the cap error. Mostly, there's such a nobody has yes. two great goalies anymore. The cap has caused goalie teams to you know put in a. a Clearly lesser guy, and with points so at a premium, I just you know sometimes I just th- see these teams and I'm like, why don't you why don't you start that guy? Like, and and, and other news, by the way, Eddie Lacks on waivers, but um, yeah, um, and the wheels sure fell off, right? There, didn't they? In Vancouver, he was like, hey, maybe he can push, maybe he can be a guy, you know? And yeah, and what? the answer was no, no. But anyway, so I don't know. I I, I just. These guys. I mean, I'm looking through the goaltending. You know, St. Louis might have as good a goaltending as anybody. Uh,
2: Jake Allen and and um, uh, Carter Hutton uh-huh. have been or have been excellent for them. Um, if Steve Mason plays like he did last night, yeah, he played well. Winnipeg,
1: huh? Yeah,
2: yeah, Winnipeg could be very good, very deep. Um, Vancouver's got as good a goaltending right now. 22 games in, Nilsson and Markstrom have been have been outstanding um you know like there's there's not a lot of teams that you look at and go yeah both of their guys have played really well
0: yeah no absolutely so uh, i don't know just i rhymer's pretty good florida you know um I yeah don't know, sure. good but how good he's been this year i haven't followed florida much as i admit but anyway yeah well you said you've never won right, right but but i think he's good i think james rhymer's a good goalie um all right, so, yeah, just a pet peeve of mine. I don't know. If I was a, go- a coach, I'd start him all the time. I'd play Grant Fear style every single game. What, until his legs fall off? Yeah, I'd be fine. Get, drink some Gatorade. And then what are you going to do? Yeah, I don't know. All right, let's get some questions. Twitter questions okay, fr- let's fr- from, from, yeah, our, yeah. from our people before you get mad at me and start yelling at me. Um, all right, uh, here's, here's a couple um, from Jason Boychuk. What's Ray's most embarrassing on-ice moment? Did you have a skate plate break? Did you did you No grab I, uh, a wrong, wrong stick? Guaranteed. <laughs> um
2: in Toronto, Maple Leaf Gardens, I'm taking a face off and for whatever reason, um, I don't realize that we're making a line change. So Ronnie Francis actually comes up to tell me you know, take my spot. Uh-huh. And as he gets there, I don't really know what happens <laughs> but I lose my balance. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I'm scrambling, and then I just fall right on my ass. And I got a big cheer from the fans. Oh! I was so embarrassed. I'm like, look at—I can't
0: even. Yeah. I I can't even stand here. No wonder I should get off the ice. (laughs) Exactly. And like everybody's looking at you because you're getting ready for the face-off, right? You're the center. Everybody's looking at you. And (laughs) yeah, and like what a—I felt like such a loser. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, from Trev. Uh, Gabranson, back to Florida. Rumors. Who, what, why, and how. Potentially hilarious, but strange. I was going to bring him up in the uh, in the segment about Vancouver, but I figured we'd save for this question. He has not had a good year.
2: No, he's not had a good two years in Vancouver. And um, I, I don't know... Um, I don't know what the market would be. He's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. He wants a lot of money. Makes four point five million right now. Um, I he has trouble with speed outside. You know when guys rush him outside, he doesn't move the puck efficiently. Um, I'd be really careful about signing him to a long term deal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'd be I wouldn't pay him five million bucks. Right.
0: Um yeah, I, I guess I was gonna say, um if he goes back to Florida, then Dale Talon would have been there when he was there the first time around, for sure. So you know, so Talon knows him a little bit if he does go back there. Right.
2: Yeah. But you know, I, I think you have to be careful about and you know, these guys do their scouting and all yeah. that stuff, but you gotta be careful about remembering what a player used to be and what he is now. Mm-hmm. The game has changed. And so if he can't move the puck, if he can't skate,
0: then I don't know if he's the guy you need. Uh, Cliff Watling, uh, Ray, you played with a lot of great players and interesting characters. Can you share some stories about Hextall, Neely, or the late John Kordick from your junior days or earliest years in the NHL?
2: Uh, Yep, absolutely. So we'll start with Hexy, Ron Hextall, one of of the most combative, um, intense teammates I ever had. He would go through the wall for you. I loved playing with Hex. Um, his last year in junior, we played together. He had like 14 assists and over 100 penalty minutes. <laughs> what a combo. So what a combo for a goalie. <laughs> he got, and he got suspended for eight games for, in a wild 40-man brawl, which doesn't happen, thankfully, anymore. Actually, <laughs> he clubbed this guy over, over the back. And he got eight games. <laughs> and he was he was terrifying to play against. Guys, in practice, if you scored on him, yeah. he'd take the puck out of the net and shoot it at you. <laughs> like, that's how intense he was.
0: Uh, um, oh, that's good. That's good stuff. It's just crazy. He was so nutty in the NHL. Just And he's such a quiet, soft-spoken, thoughtful
2: guy. He really is. Right. Now, uh, the late John Kordick, I played with him in Portland, mm-hmm. and um, we had a game in Nanaimo, which is in British Columbia, and Nanaimo had a Western League team at mm-hmm. the time. And our coach was scratching him <laughs> that night mm-hmm. because Kordick wasn't being physical enough. Right. So they did this drill. It was only John and the coach on the ice, and the coach would put a puck in the corner, and John was playing defense then. So he'd skate backwards, turn, and he'd have to run into the boards, like run in, like finish his check. Okay. But there was nobody else on the ice. (laughs) By the time he would finish, he'd knocked out three quarters of the glass behind the net. (laughs) It it looked like a construction zone.
0: Oh, man.
2: And um, I would say, Cam, um, okay, we're in Boston. And I played with Cam in uh, Portland in the Western League. He was there for one year before he turned pro with uh, Vancouver, and then um, I played the next year in Brandon. And uh, so a few years later, we're in Boston playing a game. I playing with Hartford, and uh, there was a scuffle. And Cam was like, it didn't matter if he knew you or didn't know you, you. know, Like if you were in his way, he was going to run over top of you. And there was a scrum, and I had his arm. Because I didn't want him to, yeah, you know, to hit whoever he was with. <laughs> sure, and he's like, "Let go of me," and I was pretty sure he wasn't gonna hit me, so I wouldn't let go. And then all of a sudden, he just smoked me, like he just yeah. drilled me. And he's like, "I told you to let me go," and my nose was bleeding, and I was like, <laughs> "I was not expecting that. That was a that was yeah. bad form by me." <laughs>
0: right? You're like, remember Portland? Remember Portland? Bam! Yeah,
2: he was like. Because he, he told me, he's like, I told you to let me go. Right. I
0: like, uh, yeah, I uh, two tweets here, one from Mr. K that says, should the entire Oilers front office be shot into space? And we'll go to the, the follow-up. Uh, Ray, what would be the first move you'd make to the Oilers if you were a GM right now with them?
1: Oh.
0: I mean. Uh, well, the problem the Oilers have, um, before
2: I get to the answer, is yeah. that they don't have a lot of assets to move. And so if you're going to, like, what are you trying to accomplish? Mm-hmm. If I'm looking at that Euler roster, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get faster. More than anything, my focus is to make that team faster. And so if I even if I'm making moves that seem like insignificant ones, I'm getting faster with each one because I think that's a real problem for them. Okay. So if I have to move Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, mm-hmm. I don't want to. Yep. But if I have to, I would. Um, I would get Dreisaitl in the middle. I'd play him at center. I'd play McDavid at center. And then I'd try and fill in around them. And maybe that's where you can use Nugent-Hopkins to bring back a piece, you know, a trade of centerman sure. or a fast winger that can score because they, they need help on in that sort of in that realm, that's what they need.
0: In my opinion. Right, right. Does sekara make a difference when he comes back? Do you think? I don't know how close he is soon though, right? Uh December first, I think.
2: Okay. Is, uh, does- I thought I had read that he's um he's gonna be back around that time frame or or thereabout. He um he does make a difference for them. Yeah. He's uh he's a smart, understated player. Now you have to remember he hasn't played uh, in forever, you know. Had surgery last April, so he's. It's gonna t- even when he gets back. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna. It's oh. gonna take him time. You've been there. You know, if he gets yeah. back, if he gets back <laughs> first week of December. It's gonna be a couple of weeks before he even feels like he's normal again.
0: Uh, from Matt B, what's your best referee or linesman story? Um. Well, the guy
2: I battled with the most was Paul Stewart. Yep. And, um, you know, we didn't – he had a – Stewie always had a big opinion. I always had lots of opinions. <laughs> you, and so,
0: you also did, right?
2: Yeah, so probably it was inevitable we were going to clash. and um, So we got to the point where we were, weren't even speaking anymore. And so he'd be ready to drop the puck at the start of a game, and I'd say, hey, look at this, Stewie. 18,000 people all here to watch you ref the game again. And he hated that.
0: You would and go, so you, like you, you'd chirp him right from the start, like right from the start. Hadn't even
2: started. <laughs> and and he'd be like, you know, uh, when we played, guys like you would get, you know, we'd fight. Yeah, and, right. You know, and like what, you know, so eventually, <laughs> you know, we just kind of agreed to never speak. And then I scored my 400th goal. And then the next game, Stewie was refing. Uh huh. He skated by the bench and he stopped and he went congratulations, and then he skated away. And I, I always thought that was that was pretty good.
0: <laughs> it must have pained and, him to do it. It must have pained him to do it.
2: The the um, the one official that I just never got along with was Kevin Collins, mm-hmm. who was a linesman, and Kevin liked to be he liked to be right in the middle of everything, and um, I just I don't know. I we just never got along and. He never quite liked, um, as did any of the other linesmen that I might have used this on. Uh, what I would say to them, Look, no matter how hard you try, you're not getting the orange armband.
1: <laughs>
2: you, you got you got two jobs here. Drop the puck into the dot and oh, call the icing.
0: Just classic. That's about
2: it, right? And so they. It's funny we never got along. I don't know. Yeah,
0: why. I don't know why. I can't figure it out. It's odd. Yeah, it couldn't have been me, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, pal. Oh, that's funny. Um. On that note, not a Twitter question, but the best officials, are there one or two refs that come to mind as guys that really were good at the, at the job?
2: Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I always thought Kerry Fraser was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was confident, cocky, mm-hmm. sure. yeah um,
0: Missed a high school. You know, like, yeah. didn't
2: always have to love his calls, but he just gave a sense that he was in charge. Yep. Um, another guy, an underrated guy would be dan Merrowelli yeah i I always found him down a really good demeanor um, so even when the game was getting heated he didn 't seem to lose his cool at all They're, they were They were among my two favorites.
0: Is it like baseball players where you know apparently you know when you 're a baseball player, you look at the umps and you know what kind of game it 's going to be as far as balls and strikes? Would you look at a ref or would, would first time you saw them on the ice? Uh, beginning of the game was what, when you knew who was refing your game?
2: Yeah, I've, no, I mean, you'd know beforehand.
0: Okay, so um, you would, okay.
2: But you'd, because, um, you know, you'd you'd know in, in the day of the game that everything gets posted. Um, and there's some refs, you know, that especially in the one-referee system, it's, mm. it's so different now with two guys because it's, you know. You, yeah you wouldn't have as good a feel for how the game will be called with two guys. When there was one guy, yep. there were some nights, you know, okay, there's going to be a lot of penalties tonight because this guy calls it really
0: tight or, sure. or vice versa. There are not going to be many penalties tonight. Be great if Kerry Fraser could have saw that high stick. That would have been great. That would have been really nice. I'm sure. Yeah, he's often said he wished he could have that one <laughs> call back. But you had game seven at home and you crapped the bed. All right, next question from Jesse. Who had the stinkiest? Uh, you, you don't no, want to talk I don't about want to. that? No, I don't want to talk about that. That's Bob McKenzie's fault. That was Bob McKenzie's okay. fault.
2: Yeah, because he wrote about Gretzky having a
0: bad series. Yes, yes. So blame Carey well. Fraser and blame Bob McKenzie, and I'm good. So, All right. Uh, Jesse said, uh, who had the stinkiest, nastiest gear? Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody. yeah I, I mean,
2: like back, at, you know, like when gear was still leather. Stuff just stunk, man. It reeked. At least now the new gear breathes and it. Mm-hmm. It's way better. But, I mean, I don't know. I never thought my gear smelled. I'm sure it didn't. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly right. Just yours only.
2: Uh, yeah, mine only. Everybody right, else. Right. The thing is, when you're playing, you walk into the room and you just walk in. We'd have the Christmas party and the wives would be like, oh, this place stinks. And you're it's like, what? gross. <laughs> and you're like, what do you mean? They come in here every day. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it stinks.
0: Uh, At Smeets, Bert, hey, Ray, what were the biggest changes to the game from your rookie season to your final season? Love the show, guys. (laughs) Uh, Advertising on
2: the boards. Yeah. Uh, Because when I started, there was just white boards, if you can believe that. I know, it's so crazy Uh, to look at. Yeah, well, there was no, just so many changes, really. This is why when the league says, you know, they're worried about making change, if they just In this question, this is a great question. They've already changed the game a hundred times, but it happens in increments, so you don't know. There was no puck over the glass penalty. Mm -hmm. There was no goalie interference. There was no replay. Um, uh, There was no overtime. There was no shootouts. Yeah, yeah. So, like, all of those are really significant changes. There were... The defensemen, short of cutting your head off, the defensemen were allowed to do anything in front of the net. When I yeah. I don't often say anymore on broadcast, like almost never, oh, he goes to the tough area in front of the net. Yeah. Because I remember <laughs> when we used to go there, and the Hatcher brothers or Mark Tenorti or Dave, Rod Langway. Dave Manson. <laughs> or Dave Manson or Kenny Baumgartner or... Take almost any other, the Shell Samuelson, Ol Samuelson, man, you'd go in there and you'd come out of there and your arms would just be falling off, <laughs> and was, the referee would say after three cross checks, uh, that's enough. Yeah, and you'd be like, what the? F- that's enough? <laughs> like seriously, where were you thirty seconds ago? Right. Uh, so those are all big, yeah. big, and. The goalies cheat more than ever. That's that's probably one of
0: the biggest ones. But you think about going from a tie game to now three on three in overtime. But yet the the size of the net—that's just sacred ground. Can't do oh, anything. Can't touch it. Can't touch it. We could do. We could take two players off the ice, and, and, and in an overtime. But we cannot. We can't touch it. Right, and Mike Babcock's got a great line about this. He's like, the
2: goalies, by average, are bigger than they've ever been.
0: For sure. So in theory, the net is
2: smaller. Yeah, yeah. By keeping it the same, it's smaller. And I'm like, well, he's 100% right. But I hate to tell you this. I hate to give you props for anything. Your analogy right there is probably as good of reason to look at, if they have to, at some point, to make the nets an inch or two wider, or to change the goalpost, you just said they took two players off the ice. Yeah, per team, right? And that's okay. Yeah, makes zero we sense. Can't, we can't. Yeah,
0: we can't change the shape of the post. Yeah, how silly. Yeah, never mind making it bigger. How about yes? How about making the goalposts go in? You know, how at an angle? I don't know. You're right. It drives me crazy. I don't know because uh, there's one shot. There's one shot a game that hits the post. Yep.
2: I don't know the exact numbers, but they're they're always in. Yeah. If that went in, you've probably changed the goal scoring equation.
0: Uh, Brian Zanon Canuck underscore sixty six says, "What were the best pre game rituals you've seen for either goalie or player? And maybe instead of best, how about we go weirdest? Maybe that's what he means." Um, yeah. I, so. Well, Hexy,
2: Ron Hextall
0: <laughs> oh, God. would
2: have his right pad. He'd undo his right pad and always have that pad off in front of him. Left pad would stay on. Always change his um, always change his undershirt, but he did it in sort of a way that there was a ritual to it. <laughs> um, Jamie McLennan never moved once he sat down. Like that was it. He just sat and stared. He was doing like some visualization thing. Uh huh. I thought that was kind of weird. I don't know what the hell. I could never stare at anything for 30 seconds.
0: Like he would move his hands like he was saving the puck or? No, oh. Jamie Storr did that. Oh, Jamie Storr did that. Okay. All right. So one game, Jamie Storr is lying on his back visualizing
2: and he's moving his hands around and I had to go take a go to the bathroom and I said to Stefan, she say, as I walked by to so the bathroom, Was uh-huh. I go, how's he doing? He goes, I think we're tied 1-1. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: it's so pretty funny stuff. Just shitting on a guy's ritual.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the hell is he doing? Like, right. get up and stop the puck, man.
0: Um, from DJ Petrin, what's the most important item, Ray, you need for your travels? Oh, What's the most important uh, noise thing? Noise cancellation headphones. Yeah, me too. Good one. Yeah,
2: yeah. I just, uh, I just got a a good set, like you know, uh, like the small inner ear ones. Oh, and, B- Bose ones, uh, the, the Bose. I, yeah, yeah, I like them. And you just you click them on and can't hear. Okay. So if somebody's talking to me, can't hear. <laughs> I can watch my. Right now, I'm watching uh, Ray Donovan. Yep. Really good. He's got a lot of
0: shit going on. Yeah, he seems like it. It it does seem like he has a lot of people to deal with (laughs) every week.
2: You're like, what the hell? How could your life be so complicated, man? Okay, so I have... The noise noise cancellation ones for sure. Um, What else do I need? Um, Probably my workout gear. But other than that, I can...
0: The rest of the stuff is just what it is. I don't bring a lot of workout gear with me on the road. No, really? No. No. Um, okay, so I have Bose over the ear, you know, noise cancellations. I've had them for 10 years. Uh, I've had different ones, but my ears hurt after a while with them on it like I just got back from Europe. And I was always scared to order those in-ear ones cuz I didn't think they worked good enough. But they do? Oh, they're
2: they're really good. You There's the ones I have, they have a little like a power on and off. Yeah.
0: And when you power them on, it just like Everything just goes. Okay. I'm going to look well, into I them. I'm gonna have to look into these. I'm going to have to look into these. I never thought they would work as good as the over-the-ear ones. Well,
2: you know the other reason I like them? Mm. They're way smaller than the over-the-ear ones that carry. Yes. Yeah. You know, because as you know, when you travel a lot, space is like the whole there's a whole way to get everything into, mm-hmm. into what you're carrying.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. So, um, I've ordered some new headphones I'm going to try them out. I haven't got them yet. Six-week wait. They're supposed to be... They they have this little thing that goes inside your ear canal, and they also go over top of your ear both. It's both. Can't wait to But try hang them. on. Six weeks? Six-week wait time for these things. They're brand new. They better be good. What, is a guy making them in his basement? I don't know. They were, they were $500, and they're supposed to be the shit. I will update everybody when I get them. Yes, we need to do that. Yeah. We need to find out about they're these They're called things. Movo or something? Yeah. Um, All yeah, right, Eagle Fitness CA. Hey, Ray, when you played for the Wheat Kings in the early 80s, did you make 16 year old Dave Tomlinson carry your bag? Uh, Does this make any sense to you? No. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, oh. Uh, Davey came in the trade from Portland with me.
2: Um, he was as hard working. Um, well, oh, like he just couldn't, he was like a hound dog. Um, I want to say. We used to call him like scummer, scum of the earth rookie. And um so yeah, he carried some
0: bags. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That's that's part of the gig, right? Um Yeah, well he had bad breaks. You're a rookie. Yeah. You gotta carry somebody's gotta carry him. God and never mind the other rookie initiations back in the eighties that are now illegal. That no, was ridiculous, thank goodness. <laughs> right, right. Um all right, Paul Pocky podcast, everybody. Ray Ferraro, uh, send your questions in to at Paul Pocky. Don't send them to at Ray Ferraro because he'll 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 be buried in mentions. He'll never get back to them. So, but if you send them to at Paul Pocky, we can get them answered uh, by Ray. Um, what time's your game tomorrow, Carolina? Uh, it's, uh seven o'clock.
2: Oh, um, okay. Seven o'clock Eastern. Got Carolina going. I well, at least I hope it's
0: not in the afternoon. Because... Well.
2: I, uh, my game? No, I don't think okay. so, no. Tomorrow's, uh, I think it's a regular. Uh, it better be. I'm going to show up at night. So.
0: <laughs> I'm going to uh, Vegas Sharks, but it's 3 p.m. start. That's why I ask. 3 p.m. West Coast that's, start. Uh,
2: but, see, I, originally when you asked that question, I'm like, what a stupid question that is. And then I'm like, uh-oh, that's not dumb. No. I better check. See? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, good you know, Friday,
1: but, right?
0: 7.30. Uh, so, yeah, 7.30. Oh, no, okay. Well, good. I can get home and I can uh, watch the the Knights win again. And then I can uh, watch amazing. the Leafs win. Yeah, it's amazing, uh, it, amazing story. It really is. It's phenomenal. It, it's uh, it's something else. They beat LA the other night. Um, yeah, just beat LA, then beat Anaheim, uh, and then they, they got San Jose, and they're just they're they're just doing what they're doing, man. It's crazy. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do. All right, uh, Ray, enjoy the game in uh, in Carolina. Thanks everybody for listening. Please uh, download it. Uh, give us a review. Stitcher, iTunes, podcast, get it on your phone. Get up com, the old school way. And uh, right on, Ray. Thanks, man. You betcha.
2: Good to have you back. And uh, how are your
0: boots? <laughs> my boots are good. Thank you. Very, very concerned about my boots. I like it. I got to see. I, I am. I got to see how boots, motocross boots were made front to back from a guy that started a company in 1963. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting, man. And Venice was cool. I felt like you know you're Italian, so you would have loved all these people everywhere and just yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of hand talking. I did not get to eat pizza when I was there, though. I was very upset. Did not get to eat pizza. Well, what did you eat? I uh, had some terrific lasagna. Well, okay, so it's not like you. No, not like you. Ate, uh, you know, like ribs. No, 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 no. Uh, I had some. I had scallops like that were in a shell. And then, oh, nice. I don't know if you have seen this in America too much, but in Europe, when you order lobster, they bring you the whole thing just, boom, on the plate, and you got to figure it out. <laughs> like that's, that's a little messy. I, I'm not down with that. I don't like that. I'm just, I like lobster, but just bring me the tail or bring me whatever. I don't want to go and dig around in the head and the claws and nowhere to go. I don't know. I just that, that kind of grossed me out. Well, now you'll know. Don't order it next time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all righty. Uh, thanks, Ray, and thanks everybody for listening. Appreciate it. We will. Uh, we'll see you guys all next week.
2: Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone.